You're listening to the Traveling Culturati, exploring the style and culture of travel with travel pro Javon Harley, exclusively on HUR Voices. Well, hello there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Make sure you head on over to the website, travelingculturati.com. Also connect with us on social media and join that travel club. The website, in case you don't remember, is travelingculturati.com. Thanks for coming back for another week of travel news, travel tips, and travel topics. Today, we're finishing up the year with good vibes. You know, after a year of COVID, the aftermath of the pandemic and politics, this show today aims to bring you joy. I know that I need it, and I'm sure a lot of you do too. So we're going to take a look back in our vault and share with you some of our favorite experiences, our travel accessories, places to visit, and airlines and hotels. So today is all about our favorite things, and hopefully, It will make you think about your favorite things about travel or your favorite experiences, airlines or hotels. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. Well, it too will be on our favorite cultures. But right now, let's get into some travel news. Joining me is recurring co-host and executive producer Gene Harley. Hello, Gene. Hi, Javon. Good to be here. Yes. Well, let's talk about what's happening in the news today. There's some exciting news. For example, the Mississippi home of civil rights leader Medgar Evers is now a national monument. Yeah, well overdue. His home where his family lived and where he was actually assassinated is now going to be a national monument. And that's been set up with the Interior Secretary David Bernhardt making the announcement that the Medgar and Merla Evers Home National Monument is the 423rd unit of the National Park Service. Yeah, it's a three-bedroom ranch home, and it commemorates the legacies of two civil rights activists who devoted their lives to ending racial injustice and improving the quality of life. Medgar Evers was gunned down in his driveway on June 12, 1963 during the Civil Rights Movement. He was just 37 years old. And Byron De La Beckwith was convicted of his murder. Get this, not until 1994. Well, he was acquitted two times before that and had to be brought up on federal charges And yes, 1963, it was 1994 before he was convicted, but he did spend the rest of his life and die in jail, which is notable. To say the least, the couple's two surviving children said they are very pleased with the declaration. Rena and James Van Evers said in a statement, our parents sought justice and equality for all Mississippians and knew such change locally would impact globally. Living a life of service, our parents didn't make sacrifices for accolades or awards. Too many great leaders were taken away from us 
very early, and Maker Evers would have been one of the great leaders in America. If he had lived and if he had continued to struggle, we would be so much further ahead, so we miss him. Yes, and I wonder if people know that not only is this a piece of American history, but Medgar Evers was a true American hero who Mm -hmm. fought the Nazis at Normandy and fought racism, of course, as we know, with his wife Meryl on the home front. Worked hard for voters' rights down in Mississippi, and that's, of course, why he was assassinated. Yes, and some more great news celebrating black history, black culture, and adding to American history. Black history is American history. So typically known for its musical roots in country and bluegrass, Nashville is honoring black musicians with the arrival of the National Museum of African American Music. And that's set to open January 2021. So now Nashville will truly be the music capital of the United States, if not the world, with this inclusion. Yes, when I once open the museum, will be the only institution dedicated to the contributions of African-American musicians to all genres of music over the decades in the country. When you think about music and its origins and how so many genres of music today get its roots from black music, it's amazing that this is just happening now, but exciting all the same. The museum will officially open its doors on Martin Luther King Day with a socially distanced ribbon-cutting ceremony in downtown Nashville, and it will open to the public with COVID-19 regulations. So it'll allow the museum to open and to give entry to a limited number of visitors on the weekends until the public health crisis is contained. And so you will need mask and face covering as a requirement for entering. It is a historic opening and museum. Now on to some more COVID news. And I promise you folks, after the news segment today, we're not going to talk about COVID anymore. So yeah, this will be the last time we talk about COVID in 2020 on this show. COVID vaccine passports. Now what does that mean? And will it become mandatory? Well, The WHO, or World Health Organization, has a lot to say about that. As total coronavirus cases worldwide reach 73 plus million, proof of vaccination for COVID-19 vaccine will be essential for public health purposes. And this is according to the spokesperson for the World Health Organization, their regional office for Europe. Yeah, and this is something a lot of people are stating Well, wait a minute. Why do I need this and whatever? You already carry, if you're a frequent traveler, a yellow World Health Organization vaccination card or sheet. And that basically has all the information on your vaccines. And most of the time, it's just yellow fever, hepatitis, some of the different things like that. Making it mandatory to have a vaccine may be a part of what you'll need. There's a lot of things that are very fluid right now, except that we know that there's a likelihood that you will have to have certificate of vaccination. Some destinations may make it a requirement, just like it is for yellow fever. And if not a requirement, then they may have certain levels of 
travel restrictions based on whether or not you have it. So far, only yellow fever is a required travel vaccination and it's for specific countries where it is endemic. So for example, Ghana, but now with the yellow fever, yellow fever used to be every 10 years. Now they have a vaccination that is lifetime, unless of course something changes because there are a lot of vaccines that you may already have that require boosters. This is certainly what everyone is talking about and I think this happened back in the Spanish flu when the pandemic happened a hundred years ago. This happened as well where vaccinations were required and of course that went away because they were able to eradicate that particular strain of virus and this too may go away but when we don't know. You need to be prepared. If you don't have the vaccination, there may be limitations on when and where you can travel. Yes, they are looking into smart vaccination certificates, which will be digital vaccination certificates versus the yellow card. And also understand what we talked about earlier as far as the immune travel. There are some places as of now that we're saying if you've had COVID, then there are less restrictions on testing and there's less restrictions on quarantine. However, they're saying there is currently no evidence that people who have recovered from COVID and have antibodies are protected from a second infection. But that too would mean that you would need to have the antibodies test to prove that you had it. So all of these things are being noted. Now, remember back in late November, the International Air Transport Association called IATA, which has nearly 300 member airlines across the globe, announced that it is in the final development stage of the IATA Travel Pass, a mobile app allowing travelers to store and manage certifications for COVID tests and vaccines. So looking to make it a lot easier for everyone. And they're looking to roll that out in March of 2021. There's also something called the Common Pass that is in development and it was created by a nonprofit called the Commons Project. It was first used in East Africa and has since partnered with the World Economic Forum. And that too would be a COVID tracker type app that you can store your information on. And talking about those airlines, Gene, there are at least three airlines to date including United, JetBlue, and Lufthansa, and I believe also, was it Air New Zealand? And oh. perhaps Qantas. And they are looking at the common pass and are saying that they will require vaccinations. It's That's something to look now. at because when it becomes available, whether it's March or whatever, you may want to go ahead and download it and update all of your vaccinations and test in there so that you can easily go through airport and also go on planes and get to your final destination. Yes. Well, let's end on a fun note. It is the holidays and Zipia, a career builder website, used a Google search data to create a map of people's favorite holiday treats. What are your favorite treats that you had over the holidays growing up, Jean? Gingerbread is one that a lot of people think of. Of course, being in the East Coast, different types of cheesecake and others. And one of my favorites, which you hate, is traditional fruitcake. Oh, yes. And here's my fear. Not only do I not like fruitcake, 
But my fear is that that fruitcake has been around for many years because people often re-gift it and re-gift it and re-gift it. And who knows if they found it in a box somewhere and they Mm -hmm. decided to re-gift it yet again to you. Especially the ones made by the monks where they just pour more rum or liqueur on top of it to make it soft again. But I liked it without the liquor, of course, because it has the things that you hate most, the dried fruit. Ah, yeah, those little interesting bits of fruit that we don't jellied fruit yeah (laughs) well let's talk about what some of the states like for their holiday treats what i found interesting is there are quite a few states that like candy for example utah they like jolly ranchers for the holidays. And Alaska, well, they like M&Ms. I was surprised that there were so many (laughs) that like candy for the holidays. Washington State, well, they like Skittles. (laughs) These aren't holiday candies. I mean... Maybe it's the colors. Okay, let's go with one. All right, I'm adding mine to the list. Reese's Peanut Butter Christmas Trees. At least it looks like Christmas, okay? I mean, there are ones that are in there. You know one that I just thought of that's really good, too? Peppermint candy ice cream for a treat at Christmas time. Well, you know, at least peppermint, because Oregon, for example, they like peppermint bark. Now, I do like peppermint That's bark good. as well, yes. especially if it's with a dark chocolate. No, white chocolate for is me. peppermint bark. <laughs> and California likes peppermint chocolate chip cookies. And Idaho, they like candy cane. I was surprised how many like cheesecake. And yeah. I'm thinking, what is a cheesecake Christmas version? Peppermint? cheesecake or just plain cheesecake just plain cheesecake i mean i love cheesecake but i don't think of it as a christmas item yeah you have new mexico nevada these are all cheesecake states arkansas they like i didn't even think they knew about cheesecake when i was a kid you couldn't get cheesecake out of the northeast well here you go now, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. they do go, Philadelphia with, brand a, cheesecake. They go mm-hmm. with a seasonal cheesecake, gingerbread cheesecake. Sounds good. It does. I never had that. Very interesting indeed. So tell us about your holiday treats and what region you're from and what your favorite is. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Visit TravelingCulturati.com and don't forget to connect with me on social media. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. It dissects the price of your airline ticket, indicates your class of service or cabin, tells you when you purchased your ticket, the restrictions on the airfare. It consists of letters and numbers and is coded on your airline ticket. It also lets the airline officials know whether or not you're eligible for an upgrade or if it comes to that point, the order in which you can be bumped from the flight. What is it? It's called the Fair Basis Code, and it has really evolved since deregulation. The airlines need it for the various airfares and overall air tariffs. The structure of it varies by airline, and most airlines do not show it on the ticket, but if you see it, know that the longer the Fair Basis Code, the more restrictive your ticket is. (laughs) This is Javon, and that 
was your travel minute? It's like a flash from the past. I used to handwrite airline tickets. Mm -hmm. And being in the industry, we had to know a lot more about fare structures than we do now. Now we just need to know the fare quote. But back then, we really had to understand what all of those codes and things meant. And I had to write them out, so I knew a lot more about them then. But now nobody cares. It's just like, what's the price? And is it refundable or not? That's yeah, fair basis code. And, and are there less of them now? There used to be a lot of different codes. Now I think there's probably the same number or more even. I don't think that they're less. I just think that they're not as visible. I think they're more, actually, because yeah, we had the years and, and years ago, there just used to be three to five three fair to five. structures. Yeah. And that was it. Now... There are just so many, and they In the economy, constantly. I think with one airline I was looking in the economy, there might be four or five, and that doesn't even take in account the difference between premium economy and regular economy. And seasonal, mm -hmm. and short fares that they just do for a day or, you know, and they change constantly. So, yeah, there are a lot more. finishing up the year with our favorite things. Now we all get enough COVID news. So today, executive producer Jean Harley, a recurring co-host on the show, is joining me with our favorite accessories, experiences, places, airlines, and hotels. And later on, we're going to have the culture report, our favorite cultures. So let's start with some of our favorite things and or accessories, those things we love to travel with. For me, are those lounge access passes or just getting lounge access. It's so nice to be able to go to that quiet place and away from the hustle and bustle of the main terminal. I think that's the first place we all run to when we get in there. And some airlines and airports that lounge is so good. I mean, remember reading the story of a man that went back to the airport every day, used the lounge and changed his ticket. It was his home. It was his office. They offer every amenity from just good food and drinks and free bar to beds and TV lounges yeah. and workstations. Or just having those comfortable seats. In a lot of cases, depending on the lounge itself, those quiet places. That's, right. That's what I love about it. Now, you don't have to travel in business or first class to gain access to lounges, but it is something that comes along with business and first class. You can be a frequent flyer with a high status on an airline or an airline group, and you can purchase lounge access passes as well, which is a really good investment, especially if you have long layovers. And it's a great it, gift. It is. You mm -hmm. can actually gift a card or a lounge a access pass to somebody. That's right. Absolutely. Even with some major credit cards, it may give you access to certain lounges. Universal all over the world, I mean, American Express and others, will allow you airport lounge privilege with your card. Yes. Earbuds must have them. Mm -hmm. Or headsets, whichever you prefer. I prefer earbuds. And it's a great way to block out noise. And you can use your own. Just make sure you have one that plugs in because you won't be able to use your wireless when you're tuning in or connecting to the airline's entertainment system. So you'll need that two-pong adapter that allows you to plug in. I go with the headset because it clearly states to everyone around me, I'm not listening to you and I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> so there's no mistaking mm -hmm. <laughs> in case they don't see the buds in your ear. But remember that sometimes the airlines will run out. So 
especially in economy. Very so cool. you want to make sure that you bring your own. Neck pillow for me. Have to have a neck pillow. Even if I'm flying business class, I like to have my own and use it on top of the pillow because sometimes it still just doesn't give you that right position. But in economy class, for me, it is a must, especially on long haul flights. It supports your neck. I like the one with the micro beads because it's a lot softer. Some people want the stiffer kind that really supports your neck. But make sure you get a cover and wash it when you return home. That's not something that I would always do, but I am doing it now. Travel slippers, that's another nice thing. Then, And I make sure that I keep one pre-packed, a pair of pre-packed in my luggage so that Especially I don't forget them. Especially on long-haul flights, yes. And make sure you get one with rubber soles because right. you don't want fabric to get wet and to pick up those things on mm -hmm. the ground that you're trying to avoid and having them available for you in your hotel room because not all hotels provide the slippers or sometimes they forget. It's an excellent gift, and it's an excellent thing to have with you all the time, even in the airport when you have to take your shoes off, but especially on a long-haul flight, and as Javon mentioned, in the hotel itself, to be able to put on slippers, not walk on the carpet that other people have been used, or even the floor. In the bathroom, that's mm -hmm. right. And my last favorite, although I have a long list, but I had to keep it short, Translator app. Oh, I use one. Google Translate, but there are many ones out there that you can use because I've sometimes been in situations where my go-to words just won't do because I need to have more of a dialogue. And it's a tremendous help because if you get into a situation where you need to speak full sentences and you can't, it will give you that translation. It even has where you can speak it in English and then it'll speak it out loud so that the person there can hear it and it's pronounced correctly. You can also flip it and have them say something and then it'll play it back for you in, in English. English. Yeah, that's terrific. So yeah, it is. So Gene, your favorite things to travel with. My top one, because I am a traveler that does not believe in checking a bag unless I legally have to, is a good rollable 22 to 24 inch carry-on bag. One with good pockets, sturdy and flexible and expandable for the way back. And therefore, I don't have to check a bag. That's my favorite one. And then with that in mind, a good travel jacket. Many of you who've traveled with me when I've been leading the groups know that I'll wear a vest or a jacket that has about a dozen packages. I've got everything from maps to candy to everything I need to keep going. Make sure you always have on something with a pocket. My travel pants have multiple pockets and zippers. Two reasons, I can carry a lot, but number one, number two, people can't take things out of my pockets. They don't fall out of my pockets while I'm moving around even when I'm asleep. Next one, having a good phone with a international plan. I'm going to say a name, T-Mobile. I'm not being paid, endorsed. They don't even give me a discount. But T-Mobile with 140 countries on their plan means that I pay no extra anything to make and receive calls. And at the worst, it's 20 cents a minute in certain countries. And that for me is in there. And yet with that, I still travel with an extra unlocked phone so I can put in a local SIM card to make a local calls or have locals call me. So those are my favorite things. Well, let's talk about favorite experiences. Breakfast on vacation. And I'm mm. not a big breakfast eater at home, but it's something about breakfast on vacation and the many varieties you have, especially at a really nice hotel, is something that I really love. 
you all know that I love wine tasting. So wine tasting for me, but when I think back to some of the experiences that I've had, there was a hotel in Spain, the Marquis de Riscal by architect Frank Geary. You've probably seen me post it on my social media pages before. It's in El Ciego, Spain. It's in Basque country. It's a beautiful hotel. They have some really nice wines, but it was really more of the atmosphere, the food and everything else that went along with it tea ceremony in Japan, in Kyoto at a tea house. You and I really enjoyed learning about that. We had a private session, but it was so informative and it was interactive and we really got to understand and appreciate the Japanese tradition of tea. One of my experiences in Italy and in Tuscany, and that is at the Verrazano Estate, We've been there several times for lunch, for wine tastings, for olive oil tastings. And I just love the atmosphere and that experience there. Yeah, I know they were all food-based, but I do have a couple that aren't (laughs) food-based. And that's hang gliding in Brazil. That was a fantastic experience. Hang gliding and parasailing there. We had a chance to see and do both. So that was excellent. It certainly was. And then swimming with the manta rays Mm -hmm. along the coast in Kona, Hawaii. It was a night swim, and I really, really enjoyed that. Beautiful. You could see the lights of the city and our hotel off in the distance. I was only shocked later to look at the photograph and see there was the shark under us. I'm glad we did not see that because I would have panicked in the water, but we did capture it in a random photo. We were just taking pictures of the manta rays as they swim up and they turn over on their bellies they're there to eat the plankton so this whole thing started with the hotel that's right there on the coast the sheraton hotel they shine this very bright light for their restaurant that's there well the light reflects down into the water and the plankton think that it's daytime so they come up Well, the manta rays come to feed on the plankton. And these are some enormous rays. I'm six feet across was probably the normal size. Right, and what they didn't tell us is that sharks are also attracted. (laughs) (laughs) This looked like a small shark, but big enough to be visible on the photograph. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are your favorite experiences? Well, one we get to do at least twice a year, which I love. Sunrise, early morning game drives in Africa. South Africa, seeing the big five, leaving. I know everyone's tired. Sunrise, cup of tea, heading out and pulling up on the top of the hill. The animals coming all around you and seeing the sunrise. It is a beautiful experience. I love that, too. I don't know why I didn't put that on my list. It was hard to narrow it down. It's just a great experience to see the big five in the morning. I know it's great in the afternoon or in the evening, but in the morning, it's the best time for me. And likewise, our hot air ballooning over Africa, over Kruger Park, to see the animals. It was so silent. It was for Javon, it was a champagne morning, and it was beautiful. And when you're in a balloon, there's no sound because you are moving with the wind, not against the wind. It was magical. It was magical. It was magical. Mm -hmm. I do prefer the afternoon. Yeah, I know. Me, I like to get up early in the morning. Shark swimming in Fiji. And I know you can shark swim in a lot of places, but these Sharks were like puppy dogs. They kept running by you, making faces and everything. We did that in Fiji in February, and I found it very relaxing and very easy. Now, I'm not one for tempting fate 
and messing around with the ecosystem and trying to get animals to do it. We weren't hand feeding them or whatever like that. They just were in the water with us. And like those of us who scuba dive, you use natural things to attract animals. You don't try to throw off the ecosystem. And of course, with that in mind, scuba diving in the Philippines, I was there doing a typhoon. We could do nothing, but underwater, it was just so relaxing. And I followed a turtle swimming around in a big swarm, a school of fish. And it was so beautiful because every time I came up <laughs> to get more air or to take a break, the storm was still going on. So it was very nice to be able to scuba dive in the Philippines. Wow. And I remember seeing the sharks in Fiji as they were coming up. They were bright yellow, beautiful. I never knew sharks were that color. Mm -hmm. They were beautiful. and Lemon uh, sharks and different sharks were down there. It was not the big sharks that people hear. It's no jaw situation. It's warm water. That's not the water they're in. No tiger, not even bull sharks. But they were sharks, and we got a chance to be in the water with sharks. I'm joining you on the next one. I chickened mm -hmm. out this time, but I am going to join you on the next one. <laughs> I need somebody to take pictures. I'm taking pictures of everybody else swimming with sharks. and not, It was like with lions, and there I was. None for me. Well, let's move on to destinations. Mm -hmm. And when I think about what's my favorite, it goes back to experiences that I have. But South Africa, as you know, is at the top of my list. Both of us. Yes, we go two or three times a year. I just love the complexity of South Africa. They used to have a slogan, a continent in a country. And that's really, I think, why it's one of my favorite destinations, because there's so many things about it. You know, some places you go, there's just kind of one aspect to it. Mm -hmm. But for South Africa, there are so many aspects. and it, it So many it dimensions. It certainly and is. And so diverse. We like it for different reasons. You like Cape Town, and I like Joburg. I mean, it's a different thing. It's different cities, different mountains, different areas. I love to go. I could spend a week on safari in South Africa. I like the vibe of Joburg. It's a funky vibe. It's a cosmopolitan vibe. That's what I love about Johannesburg. Cape Town is more of a relaxed and kickback feel. So I like them equally. I just like different things about them. True. Basque country in Spain. It's authentic. It's a foodie destination. And let me go back to authentic. When I visited Basque Country, and this was a few years back, so I don't know if anything has changed, there were no international retailers there. Everything was local or from the continent. They did not have these mega international retails like Starbucks and these department stores that you see everywhere. So it was so much authenticity there. And as far as the culinary scene, it was very farm to table, again, very artisan and very authentic. No explanation needed. Champagne, France. <laughs> the name says it all. But also throw in cognac because that was so much fun, so much history. Cognac was a surprise to me, and I do really, really love it. And people have been asking me to do another trip, and we are planning to do another trip, and it will include the beverage towns, mm -hmm. <laughs> libation Burgundy, towns. Burgundy, champagne, cognac. Tuscany in Italy. I just love the, the food, not just the food. I mean, the, the, the it's, scene, it's a scenic beauty place. It's mm -hmm. picture perfect. Mm -hmm. so if you haven't been there, if you think of Napa, but a thousand years older, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. going to be there. And my last one is 
Japan. And I like Tokyo. I love Tokyo. It reminds me of New York on steroids, I think. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Kyoto, because it's the culture capital of Japan. And one that surprised me on my last trip to Japan is Sapporo. Really, really loved that experience and that town. So how many favorite destinations do you have and what are your favorite Oh, you hit upon most of them because those are the same ones we've been to many times and we love and we go back for that reason. But I would add Egypt for history in itself. I just love Egypt because I'm a bit of a historian buff and I love to see all the different sites and meet the people. I love all the aspects of it and the different things about it. I love the food. It's not spicy and it's something that's in there. For modern, and I'm not a big fan of modern usually, the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, Dubai and Abu Dhabi offer a plethora of activities and things to do, especially for those people who like shopping, but I find it to be very relaxing and very engaging. I love going to things like the Falcon Hospital and seeing the sites, the worldwide museums that are available there in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. The history and the culture of the people of the United Arab Emirates are in there. And then one last one that we didn't have before is Thailand because it's Asia with history. It's a culture that dates back thousands of years. It's like Chinese, it's Southeast Asian, it's Asian, it's cosmopolitan, it's easy to get around, it's New York, and everything all put together for those people who've never been to the Far East, it's an easy place to go to. And it's Southeast Asia, so it's tropical. So Mm -hmm. the weather is always really nice there as well. Favorite airlines. We tend to follow some of the same ones over and over, but the different ones that we've had an opportunity to experience. Emirates Airlines is one of my my favorites. favorites. It became a favorite many, many years ago and has remained a favorite for their service. I think it was one of the best first class we ever experienced on a trip, and it was just for the two of us, and we had a great time. Singapore Airlines, and they always rank as a top airline, but the experiences we've had on there, we understand why. It's a service. They have a higher ratio Mm -hmm. of flight crew and attendance to passengers. Yes. And one thing I love, even if you're in economy, so I know a lot of you may be saying, well, that's a different experience that you have in business and or first class. But these airlines that I'm talking about, it's the service throughout in every cabin. Even if you're in economy class, what I love is that every time somebody comes out of the toilet facility, somebody's going in there and and refreshing it. So you never go into a bathroom on that airline and there's just crap everywhere. No, and they put in all the amenities, and no matter what class of service you're in, you get personal amenities when you fly on these airlines we're talking about. Etihad is one that I had in my list in the same grouping for the same reason. Like Emirates and Singapore, it's the quality of service, it's the staff, and it's how they take care of you in every class of service. Now, as far as domestic carriers Mm -hmm. go, I like the simplicity and straightforwardness of Southwest. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't because you don't get advanced seat assignments, but I think they've come up with a system that's a quicker boarding system and it really still allows you to get your choice unless you're very, very, very late checking in. Sure. And JetBlue, I was really surprised. I've only flown JetBlue a couple of times, but I was really surprised. No, they at, do a good at, job at on those their onboard flights. service and mm-hmm. the upkeep of their aircraft. And like I think Southwest, that's they're friendly. They're yeah. friendly people. They're working there. I would put in Virgin America. May not be around everywhere, but Virgin America and Virgin Airlines for the same reason. It's the quality of service, and the people enjoy what they do. I think Virgin Atlantic was the first airline you and I flew, where the 
economy class got an amenity kit, and we were very impressed by that. I think that was, what, almost 20 years ago. We were like, wow, this airline gives you an amenity kit in economy class. And there didn't seem to be a limit to the food and beverage service. Certainly, if you wanted more, they would give you more. It was just the service. You wanted another beverage. It wasn't a big deal. You're afraid to ask for that on most domestic flights. A version of Southwest over in Asia, Air Asia. If you ever get a chance and you're bouncing between places like between Singapore and Taiwan or something like that, Air Asia offers that similar Southwest Now, let's talk about hotels, and these are our favorites. Yeah, this is not from somebody's formal list of these ones that no one ever goes to because it costs $2,000, $5,000 a night. (laughs) Right. And sometimes we do have those experiences. And I will tell you that I went to a hotel once. I won't name the name, but I went ahead and splurged, my girlfriend and I, and we were so underwhelmed. And we really thought this was not worth the money. But What we loved about the hotel was the restaurant and bar, the lounge areas, things like that. But the rooms were very underwhelming and the service was as well. So sometimes when you see these fabulous, fabulous hotels that you may visit on a day trip there, that's the best part of the hotel. Mm -hmm. So it's not always what you spend per night. That being said, now this one is pricey, but every aspect of the hotel is just superb and that's the park hyatt tokyo beautiful i did not want to leave the rooms were oh my goodness the rooms were phenomenal and the view and the views are phenomenal i actually Mm -hmm. posted a picture not too long ago with my last night beverage at the bar there an excellent view over all of tokyo it's just a fabulous hotel the amenities the room the decor the facilities all of that one of my other favorite of all times is Sabi Sabi Earth Lodge oh, yes. in Kruger. Now, they have different lodges, mm-hmm. but I like the Earth Lodge because the rooms are built into the earth. So you and kind I think of there's, feel what, like, only six or something? It's not a big hotel. Yes. So it looks like you're going into a rock, but you're going into your hotel. Now, what I love about it is not only that aesthetic of it, but the back part of the room is all glass. So you get the feel of taking a shower or a bath in nature, but you're completely sealed off and no one can see you because it only goes out to the wildlife. Also, the interior is gorgeous and it's all inclusive properties and it's not cheap. When you go, your breakfast, lunch, dinner, all of those things are taken care of as are your safaris. You get two or three safaris a day and other activities that you can take on. But yes, Sabi Sabi. The one and only hotel in Cape Town, South Africa is beautiful. And it's right there on the waterfront. They have a really nice restaurant with a South African renowned executive chef. So the food there is very good. And the location, 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 location. It's right there at the waterfront. And my last is the Faina Hotel in Buenos Aires. They actually are chain hotels, so you can find them in Florida as well. But what I loved about this one in Buenos Aires is that it was high-end rustic. That makes sense. So, and they very much were about the Argentinian culture. So there's a lot you can do where the hotel is the destination itself. What about yours, Jean? Well, I have a number. And one that you haven't had a chance to experience, but we've got to do together is the Jumeirah Tower Hotel 
at Etihad Tower. It's in Abu Dhabi. It is fantastic. It is beautiful. It is welcoming. The rooms have nice amenities, great restaurant, overlooking the lagoon going out to the sea with its own beach right there that connects from the lower lobby area. You can dine and swim at the same time. The rooms are beautiful and it's a great location. You're actually overlooking the presidential palace. Another one, the Peninsula Hotel in Shanghai with the lions out front, beautiful rooms, great amenities, great location in the shopping area. You can walk to the shopping street from there. A concierge and a service staff that go out of their way to make you welcome. One that we visited before, and this is because it is itself a palace, is the Taj Rambal in Jaipur. Now, this is a beautiful hotel, and it is literally what I said. When I say it is the palace hotel, it is a former palace. Yes, it is winding and a lot of walkways and everything like that as you go from the different rooms, but the grounds and everything about the location and the service of the Taj staff and the Indian staff makes it a great stay. And another one in that same area, the Oberoi Amarillo Villas. Most of the rooms have views of the Taj Mahal. You can literally wake up and see the Taj Mahal in front of you when you stay at the Oberoi. And it's great service, great rooms. And my last one is one that we're going back to next year is the Taj Maldives. If you're an isolationist, you're gonna love it because these hotels, like most of them in the Maldives, are over water, swimming deck, water in the sea right below you, and it's just great service, great amenities, isolation, yes. And it's perfect for people who just want to get away from it all. Yes, I can't wait. We're going back next month. Well, I hope you have enjoyed our favorite things. And we certainly did enjoy putting them together for you and reminiscing on those past trips that we've done just to bring you a little bit joy before the end of the year. is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. The website, travelingculturati.com. Head on over there and check it out. And while you're there, follow us on social media and join that travel club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. And in the theme of today's show, we're sharing our favorite cultures. Now we've encountered many cultures during our travels and while they all leave a lasting impression, here are just a few that have really resonated with us. The Japanese culture for me, Jean. And I just find that it's very polite and what I really love, I think you and I really appreciate it, is that they're on time. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the few cultures and few systems in the world where if the train's supposed to arrive at 10.01, it arrives at 10.01 exactly. And if it's leaving at 10.05, you better have been in that door by 10.04 because that door closes on time. 
I like their punctuality, but also I love the elements of how accommodating that they are. They are very kind people. They really are, and very respectful. But going back to the punctuality, I remember seeing an episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta, and they went to Japan. And if you've seen Real Housewives of Atlanta, you understand that they're always late. Sometimes the person who's on time said that they were sitting there for an hour before the next person showed up. Mm. I mean, that that's egregious. <laughs> that to me is this must just have been hilarious. In Japan. Uh, so actually, the Japanese tour guide on a couple of occasions waited, but I could tell by the third time she was so over it. She left, who was then the star, or who considered herself the star of the show, Nene Leaks. She just came wandering down. Hmm. The guide left, and the rest of them were like, oh, this guide is not playing. She was like, no, we must go. We must go now. Because she got tired of waiting. And for them to even wait five minutes is a big thing for them. Because their punctuality really relates to their culture. And they feel that it's a sign of respect. It's a sign of respect, yes. And I think that should be everywhere. But some cultures aren't so specific on time. But again, the Japanese food also relates to how polite and how respectful they are. The whole idea of Japanese food that you use chopsticks was really designed because they felt like the person enjoying the food should not have to work for it and cut it up. Mm -hmm. So it's prepared in a way that you can eat it with chopsticks. Japanese food is an art form in itself. And that's why there are even art classes on making imitation because you want to see what the food looks like those different versions of the imitation food that you see in restaurants is a class, and that's art in itself. It certainly is. Now, South Africa. Mm-hmm. Of course, if it's our favorite destination, it would be one of our favorite cultures. And one of the things that really stand out for me is music. And I just don't know if the world knows enough about South African music, I got a chance to meet Hugh Masekela. And of course, during the days of Hugh Masekela and Miriam Makeba and so many other greats, their music was really synonymous with the freedom fighters and their music really reflected the sign of the times. But it's still extremely, not only provocative music, I just love the beat, I love the instruments, and I love the vocals. Mm -hmm. Just phenomenal. And it has kind of that jazz, but it has that distinctive South African beat to it that I absolutely love. Like Caribbean music or Jamaican reggae music, Kweto and other forms of South African music is an evolved music taste that basically has grown and it's like what has happened to music in the Americas, in the United States. So a lot of us can easily relate to South African music. Yeah, and that's why we go to their jazz festivals because they appreciate music so much. And these two international jazz festivals that they have every year really draw musicians from around the globe. And we've discovered so many artists during our times at those different jazz festivals. That artists we wouldn't have known about because they rarely have ever come to the United States. And unless you are truly into it, and we travel with a lot of jazz enthusiasts, they really know the music, they write about it. They are even amused and happy at the fact of some of the artists they come upon. Yes, and Italy is one of my all-time favorite cultures. And for me, it's the food and the fashion. And Italians seem to have this love 
of life. Mm -hmm. That's what I really love about their culture. And, you know, Italian food, there's so many different types of Italian food from the north to the south. And again, that difference is going to be whether they use tomato base or it's going to be a cream Cream. base. Mm -hmm. But also those closer to the sea, like in Venice, their fish dishes are phenomenal. And then, of course, places like Tuscany, of course, you have the wine and their cheeses. We've gone to cheese farms as well. And just so they have a lot of authentication in their foods. And some of the versions we get here are reproduced versions and are not the authentic types of food. And they do have to have certain seals on them. So whether you're talking about pecorino or parmigiana, All of these things have to be authentic, like your balsamic. When we went to Italy and had balsamic tasting there, we were blown away. And like, this is nothing like the balsamic (laughs) that we get here. And of course, it was like $75 for, what, about four ounces? (laughs) We still have the bottle. Because a little goes a long way. And, you know, all the uchis, I call them, the fashion in Italy is phenomenal. I think I like Italian fashion better than I like French. But... The Italian leathers, from jackets to shoes and handbags, oh my goodness. And some of these are brand names that aren't the big ones. But again, the craftsmanship I love as well. What are those things you like about Italy? Well, definitely the food. And I love Northern Italy and the aspects of going in and doing shopping there. But they also do some great crafts on jewelry, on metalworks. Of course, art It's a great thing to do. If you're in Florence, or you're in Pisa, or if you're in Milan, and you can't find gifts for your home and everyone on your list, then you're not looking very hard because these are some great locations. Yes, and... Gelato. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Overpriced, but it's good. And that, too, what we have here in the United States, there are some authentic versions of gelato, but not the majority of what you see and get. Yeah, so look at it this way, folks. When you walk up to the gelato stand, if it looks like pudding... Or whipped cream piled high, that's not gelato, okay? (laughs) Gelato doesn't work that way. It's got to be set up more in an ice cream base. That means they've added things and preservatives to it. And until you get to Italy, small towns outside of Pisa and Florence, and you have gelato, then you know gelato. Absolutely. Last week, we had on the show Elvis Bruce was my special guest, and he shared with us the Ghanaian culture. And it was a reminder for me what I love about the Ghanaian culture. It's their respect for elders, their family, their community, and their conduct. So just overall, very community-based, and that it really explains why I love the Ghanaian people with the Ghanaian culture. Yeah, it's really a great destination. The food and other things, it reminds me of what we would call home cooking or soul food, because that's where the base came from. And a lot of the food that is enjoyed in the United States and even in South America and Central America and the Caribbean comes from the West Coast of Africa and Ghana. Yes. And, you know, again, one of the top cultural definitions or those things that defined Ghanaian culture, the respect for elders, mm-hmm. they would never put one of their elders in a home. You have to take care of your elders and you respect them for their wisdom. I would say that's probably the thing I love the most about Ghanaian culture is that respect for elders and family. Hopefully our westernized culture will not affect them so that they start doing those things that we do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we go on to some of yours, I'd like some of the ones that we're talking about 
overseas, like basically Southeast Asia. I think in Southeast Asia, you get all the benefits of Japan, but you get different ways and different aspects of it. The culture there dates back in different ways because the people were more of a farm culture coming up, whereas Japan is a different version of it. The food is slightly different and a lot of things that come in there. So I like Southeast Asia, even the modern cities like Singapore, where you see all the cultures come together, but places like Cambodia, Vietnam, and Thailand, where each one is so different, but yet it's the same when you see the dance, the movement, the respect for their elders, how their culture has evolved over thousands of years, it adds to something when you look at it. Let's talk about our home, mm-hmm. the United States of America. Now, the United States culture is very interesting, and I remember we've done shows on the culture of the United States. And with that, we of course know our own cultures, but we have so many subcultures. Of course, there's the food, there's the music, we are a sports culture. Mm-hmm. But I think probably one of those defining things that we always even shout it out for everybody to know is our independence. Yes. And that's not just across the entire country. That's state to state. Even when you travel within the United States, when if you're from the Northeast and you go down to the South or the Southwest, you're shocked at the differences, but the similarities that exist. We find food and activities and even words differ when we go to New Orleans and we're in Chicago. Or if you're from New York City and you go down to Arizona, everything is totally different, but it's still the same. State to state could almost be like visiting different Different countries. countries. (laughs) And when you add in the accents as well. And so it's those subcultures that I really love. And the United States as a whole culture is that we love to take other cultures and make it our own. It's like borrowing pieces of other cultures. Mm. And it's not a melting pot. I don't like the term a melting pot because that's not what we are. Because there are some distinctions, and there are a lot of distinctions, but we do take things and make them our own. But certainly I would say that the top thing is the independence. If South Africa is a continent in one country, the United States is the world in one country because you can find something everywhere. But if you go and you get pizza or Chinese food and you go to Italy and China, don't expect it to be the same because as Javon stated, we will Americanize anything. Well, again, that's our trip down memory lane and sharing with you our favorite things. We did cultures, experiences, destinations, airlines, hotels, and our travel must-haves. So until we meet again, which will be in 2021, we want to wish everyone happy holidays. That's Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy Kwanzaa. Also, Happy New Year. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen, This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information.